Welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. I want to turn to the first psalm, the book of Psalms, so Psalm chapter 1. Thank you guys for leading us into worship. I walked in this morning and I knew that they were serious because I saw Cheyenne with a Mountain Dew. She was getting ready to just get amped up this morning and they did their job. They led us into worship. <laughs> she knows I'm just playing. Nothing like a Mountain Dew for breakfast. Just kidding, Cheyenne. <laughs> Psalm chapter one, starting with verse one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. In other words, it means they will face judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Uh, this morning, I want to speak on how to be blessed. You may be seated this morning. The most famous sermon of Jesus is his Sermon on the Mount. And there exists a pretty strong argument that the first Psalm in the book of Psalms provides the scriptural basis for that sermon that Jesus preached. Now, both Psalm chapter 1 and the Sermon on the Mount focus around the blessedness of the individual that serves God. Both passages describe the attitude and the actions of a true person of God. In both places, we find a description of the ideal character, uh, influence, conduct, and destiny of a person who will follow God. The Sermon on the Mount closes with a description of the destiny of humans. Those who both hear and heed the word of God, like the blessed man in the uh, first Psalm, are likened to a wise man who built his house on a solid foundation. His house was stable, his house was secure in the time of testing and the time of trial. But those who hear but refuse to heed the word of God, like the ungodly man described in Psalm chapter 1, are likened to a foolish man who has built his house on sand. 
In the time of testing, he will discover that his foundation is not firm, his foundation is not secure, and everything that he has built up will eventually crumble and fall. Psalm 1 presents the portraits of two totally different individuals. The blessed man is intentional about where he goes. He's careful about how he spends his day, and he is selective about his company. Furthermore, the blessed man loves the word of God, and it says he meditates on it day and night. The ungodly man, by contrast, is quite the opposite. The Bible says he walks in the counsel of the ungodly. He stands in the way of sinners, and he sits in the seat of the scornful. Instead of being secure and fruitful and happy, he is blown about by the winds of life and is finally destroyed because he doesn't have a real walk with God. He doesn't have a real relationship with God. His foundation is nothing but sand that cannot withstand the test of time. In a few well-chosen words, the psalmist sketches two sharply contrasting pictures. The first picture is of a happy and a very successful person. He knows where he is going. He knows his purpose in life. And even though his life may not be perfect, he knows who holds his life and he knows who holds his future. And so he's a blessed man because his foundation is like a rock. It is solid. He is blessed because he is in the hands of God. The second picture is of a man whose life ends in failure for he never considered serving God or he never stayed faithful. He has walked his own path. He has built his own life and he may have appeared to be uh, successful for a time and a season and maybe he enjoyed the pleasures of material things and the pleasures of sin for a, a season, but eventually his life crumbles to pieces for he has built his life on temporary things. These are two totally different pictures. One picture represents a blessed life and the other picture represents a life of failure. And so today, I would like to focus in on the five things that the psalmist says are the foundation to a blessed life, how to be blessed. Now, the psalmist describes the blessed man in the first two verses of the psalm. His successes are found in three things he refuses to do and two positive qualities in his life. The first thing he refuses to do is he refuses to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The first thing that sticks out to the psalmist in regards to the godly man, the blessed man, is that in times of trouble, in times of trial, he does not turn to the ungodly for advice. 
when he finds his life on shaky ground, as we all do sometimes, when everything around his him is complicated, chaotic, and uncertain, he does, he does not seek counsel in the world, for he understands that his footsteps are ordered by God and not by the so-called wisdom of the world. He refuses the wisdom of the world because he recognizes that while he is in this world, he is not of the world. And so in confusing times and moments of uncertainty, the blessed man recognizes that neither his help nor his direction is going to come from the world. Church, though it may be easy to turn to outside sources of God to seek advice and counsel concerning the right direction for our lives. It is important that when we are making even individual decisions that may impact the rest of our life, God is who we turn to. We seek the counsel of God. We seek the word of God. We go into a closet or we get on our knees and we pray about it when we wrestle with the complexities of life and determine the paths that we will travel, the only wise counsel is the counsel that comes from God, for God knows what's best for your life. This is the truth that is recognized by the blessed man of Psalm chapter 1 and is the foundation of everything else that follows. The blessed man is determined to put all ungodliness far from him, far from his life, and far from his decisions. The blessed man's ultimate desire is to please the Lord in his life. Now, the next thing is he refuses to, the Bible says he refuses to stand in the way of sinners, seeking no intimacy with them as companions. The second thing is really just an outgrowth of the first. The blessed man refused to associate with those who were in open rebellion against God. In other words, the blessed man is careful about who he chooses to be his friends. He is careful about who he spends his time with. Of course, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have any friends that are unbelievers and he just avoids every single person in the world. But what it does mean is that he is very careful to avoid close relationships with those who are defiant of the ways of God. And the blessed man was careful to recognize that some relationships or some friendships, if kept and cultivated would influence his life, causing him to drift away from God. He actively, actively avoided these relationships. And finally, the last thing is he refused to sit in the seat of the scornful. Scornful is translated from a, a Hebrew word which relates to those who carry on as scoffers or to make a mockery. The context implies that the psalmist is speaking of those that make a mockery of the things of God. Now, there is an obvious uh, progression that takes place in verse 1 as the blessed man first refuses the counsel of the ungodly. Then he refuses the fellowship 
of the rebellious, and now he refuses the company of those that mock God. He refused to sit in the seat of the scornful. He would not tolerate those that delighted and making fun of spiritual things. While standing in the way of sinners and always hanging out with the unbelievers might slowly draw you away from God, he recognized that sitting in the seat of the scornful, laughing and hanging out always with those who mock the things of God would make him just as guilty as they were. And so these, church, are the three things that the blessed man refused to do. He, went, he walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, stood not in the way of sinners, nor would he sit in the seat of the scornful. However, his life was defined by more than just things he did not do. The next verse lists two things that the blessed man did do. It says his greatest delight was in knowing and doing the will of God. Oh, church, that the greatest delight. Oh, that our greatest delight would be knowing and doing the will of God in our life. He rejoiced in the promises of God. He recognized the grace of God that stands behind the laws of God. He understood that God would withhold no good thing from him. And as a result, he knew that the laws of God were there for his protection. You know, often we may strain against the uh, restraints of God's law. We're like a, a dog in a fence. We seek every means to try to escape the fence, jump over the fence. But what the dog doesn't understand is the fence is there for his protection. God's laws and God's commandments are designed to protect us. Everything that God has given you is a good thing, and anything that God has withheld from you was not good for you. The blessed man realizes this, and instead of fighting against the laws of God, he embraces them. He says, God must know what's best for me, and so ultimately his desire is to know and do the will of God. The last thing that the blessed man did do is he meditated on the law of the Lord day and night. This means that he gave the, the truth of God his full and serious consideration. He reflected on it throughout the day so that it may saturate his heart and his mind and his whole life. He made the word of God the priority in his life. In other words, church, it's important that we seek the counsel of the word of God in our life on a regular basis. We all need a regular habit of reading and meditating on the word of God. Every day of our life, we ought to be in the word of God. We ought to let it encourage us. We ought it to let us pick us up and, and we ought to get into the word and let it get into our hearts and let it get into our minds every single day. As much as the psalmist gives us a roadmap to spiritual success, and he shows us how to be blessed, he also provides us a glimpse of the roadmap to spiritual failure. While the psalmist does not describe specifically the roadmap to spiritual failure, we can infer from the psalm that the ungodly man does the opposite of the blessed man. 
His, he directs his life on the basis of the ungodly. He constantly bases his decisions on a worldview and not the word of God. He does not hesitate to hang out with sinners. His best friends are unbelievers. He cultivates a friendship with the world and he sits in the seat of the scornful. The godly man is pictured at the very end of the psalm as an evergreen tree planted by the rivers of water. This blessed man is a picture of vitality and prosperity. The blessed man is fruitful. He doesn't wither away in the midst of trials. He is consistent. Everything he does prospers. He's a permanent fixture planted alongside a river of blessing every single day, one day at a time, church. He serves the one whom blessings flow. The ungodly man, however, discovers that instead of standing secure like a tree planted by the rivers of water, he is blown about like a seed when the storms of life blow upon him. He is a very inconsistent man, and any little thing in life can discourage him. He's tossed around very easily. He does not have a firm foundation, and he discovers that when the world caves in, on him. He is not alive, but he is dead. He stands as long as there's no trial. He's okay as long as there's no test. But when the storms come, he discovers that his life is empty and insecure and helpless. He's blown about by the storm and he's abused by life's troubles and trials. He has no fruit. He has no vitality. There's no stability in his life. And ultimately, because he has no firm foundation, his life Life ends in failure. And so the psalm ends this way. The NLT version says, speaking of the unbeliever, they will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Each of us would be wise to compare our choices with the choices of the man described in Psalm chapter 1. We should earnestly seek to imitate the example of the blessed man in order to escape the destiny of the ungodly man. You know, everyone wants to know how to live the blessed life, how to be like the tree that's planted next to the rivers of living water. And the psalmist has told us exactly that. And Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, takes that example and gives it a practical application and tells us exactly what the blessed life really is. Now, it's not a life without storms, but rather it's a life that can stand the test of time because it's built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. In other words, we trust God. We walk with God. We serve him every day, one day at a time. We keep his word and we meditate on it day and night. We do not let a day go by without praying. We do not let a day go by without being in the word. Every single day, we serve him with all of our heart. 
As we consider the blessed life today, I want to begin to close with this. The Lord says this in, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. These are the words of God. He says this, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Wow. For my people, he says, he's speaking about his people, the bride of Christ, the church. Back then he was speaking to Israel, but really now he's just speaking to everyone that, that are, that's his, his people. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. Who have we abandoned? The fountain of living water. In other words, the one whom all blessings come from and the one whom every good gift comes from, the one whom cares for us and loves us, he has been abandoned and his people have abandoned him for what? Cracked cisterns that can hold no water. Cracked cisterns represent a, a way of living. These people are no longer 100% committed, committed to God. They do not rely on God for their needs. They have created cisterns to try to stir up their, store up their own blessings, but these blessings are no good for they're gathered in what? Broken and cracked cisterns. They've rejected the fountain of the living water in an effort to try to manage life on their own and, and to try to gather their own good gifts and gather their own blessings. They do not trust God. Church, how tragic it would be to neglect the fountain of living water for a broken cistern that can hold no water. This person will soon find out that they are only fooling themselves for there is no such blessing outside of Jesus Christ. Today, Jesus offers a fountain of living water designed to satisfy the deepest longing in your soul every single day. Jesus wants you to have life overflowing. Jesus wants you to have peace in your mind and heart. Jesus wants you to look for him for satisfaction. And Jesus wants you to know, church, what it really means to never be thirsty again, for he is the fountain of living water. You don't have to go and find this yourself. You don't have to go gather it yourself. But he says, drink right now and you'll be satisfied. Drink and you'll be blessed. Drink and your worries will be faded away. Drink and I'll take care of you. Drink of the fountain of living water for this is the blessed lie. Why don't we all stand this morning? May it not be said of us, the church, that we abandon the fountain of living water that's free. Consider the life that you're living today. Are you living, like Paul said, a life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Or does it seem like you're just getting by, church? Just managing, just surviving, barely able to hold things together? always stressing, always worried, never prayerful? Or are you thriving off of the fountain of living water? 
If you're not thriving, if, if you're not living the blessed life, let me tell you about the fountain of living water who is Jesus Christ. He's always got open arms. He's always there for you. He does not hold grudges. He's slow to anger. He is quick to forgive. He always has enough peace. He's always ready to pick you up. He's always ready to encourage you. He has joy waiting for you, mercy waiting for you, great grace waiting for you. They call him the fountain of living water because when nothing else will work and nothing else will satisfy us and nothing else will quench our thirst, he's ready to give us life overflowing. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus goes beyond just the simple satisfaction. He says, I want to overflow you with what? His spirit. His spirit in us bubbles out like a spring forming rivers of living water that go on to refresh our dusty, dry, old soul. Church, don't abandon the fountain of living water. Don't be like the people of Israel that walk away from the fountain of living water. Don't neglect the fountain of living water, but run to it and let his spirit renew you today and let his spirit overflow in you. Run to the fountain of living water. For church, this is the blessed life. There is no blessing out there outside of this. There is no blessing outside of Jesus Christ. And he wants you to fill you with his spirit and give you life overflowing, peace that passes all all understanding, joy that can't go anywhere. As they begin to sing, reach out to Jesus today. If you're hurting, if you're in pain, if you have questions, if you feel discouraged, if you have no joy, if you have no peace, reach out to Jesus right now. Don't neglect the message. Don't say that message isn't for me. That sermon isn't for me. No, it is for you. Jesus is here for you. The fountain of living water is for you. He has peace today, joy today, encouragement today, healing today. Oh, he has great forgiveness today. Ready to pick you up ready to forgive you, mercy for you, great grace today. Fountains of living water are in this place. His Spirit is in this place. Let His Spirit overflow. Let His Spirit overwhelm you. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.